Thanks for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development in our state. Hosted by Jeff Rent and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. If you've watched any science fiction movie or television show in the last decade, chances are you've seen virtual reality devices used as unique tools. These uses are sometimes beyond even our own imagination. However, our next guest is here to tell us how virtual reality isn't just science fiction or a novelty entertainment item. It is a powerful tool finding its way into our workspace, including the economic development world. Aaron Brossois is the CEO and founder at Golden Shovel Agency, which specializes in communications for economic development. Aaron has more than 12 years in the economic development industry and 20 years as a marketing professional. He's led the creation of communication tools and services, which support more than 170 economic development organizations across North America. Please welcome Golden Shovel Agency CEO Aaron Brossois, who's also enjoying a fine beer courtesy of McLaughlin PC. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. What a fascinating topic. And you and I had a chance to uh, chat last week. And I think we really need to first start off in defining what virtual reality is today versus what a lot of people think it is. What does it really mean? Absolutely. Well, virtual reality has a couple of different components to it. Uh, you have the content of virtual reality, which in some cases might be like a spherical video where you're standing inside a omnitheater of your own and everything's moving around you. But there's also virtual reality as a communication tool where you go into a virtual room in order to interact with other people. And that interaction with other people, they then have to also be able to uh, have the same experience you have. So does that mean they're plugged into the same technology? Yep. So each of the people uh, that are participating inside a virtual meeting have a virtual reality headset in order to give them access to the, the virtual room. How then are they communicating? Are they able to see each other? What, what occurs in that uh, virtual space? Uh, yes, so each of the people is represented by an avatar, and an avatar is a kind of like a video game version of yourself, but a, in a more professional sense. Uh, they can talk to each other with uh, 3D sound, and they can have pretty fluid motions that move with the headsets themselves. So if you look to the right, your avatar looks to the right. If someone's closer to you, they come in louder. If they're farther away, it's uh, a little quieter, and it really feels like you're sitting there with somebody. We talked about this last week when we were on the phone, and I was talking about how I'd been seeing some advertisements or some promotional videos where a couple of friends who were in different locations were both essentially courtside at a basketball game and both interacting with each other's avatars. That's really out there today? That is exactly the same technology that we're using. And that advertisement was for the Oculus Go headset, which is the same headsets that we use for economic development, whether it's for workforce attraction or business attraction or trying to show off a site. Um, that o Oculus Go headset is the very device. Economic development, moving towards uh, that part of the conversation, you know, it's got a reputation for being old school. And I don't know that we always deserve that reputation, but it certainly exists in our sphere of influence and throughout much of the business world. How hard is it to get economic development practitioners to embrace this new and developing technology? Well, in general, to your point, the economic development industry as a whole hasn't been known to move very fast. But when they have an opportunity to promote a place, we've made a case that this technology is the very best possible way to visit a place if you can't actually physically be there. 
And so due to the nature of their jobs, these types of tools have really been in need for a very long time. And so now that the technology is available and able to be used now, they're pretty quick to see why it's effective because it's saving them time and money. So go back five years to where you are today. How have you seen the economic development community embrace this technology? Five years ago, there was no embracement of this technology. In fact, it uh, really wasn't in a capacity to to be useful yet. We first unveiled the virtual reality um, headsets at the IEDC conference in Toronto in 2017. And at that point, there were two different options for the headsets that made sense. Um, on one hand, one of them was a headset where you'd put your phone in, um, which is uh, helpful. It's useful because everybody has phones, but it's pretty tricky to interact with, uh, especially uh, when it's draining your phone inside the headset, so mm-hmm. to say. It uh, gives you a sense of the potential, but it um, wasn't the high quality experience that you can get with better quality headsets. Our other option was a PlayStation 4, which is a pretty pretty crazy thing to carry around and set up at a booth. And it's got this helmet that looks like you're in Tron. Um, but it worked really well and gave a very high quality experience. Now, that was 2017. So just go one year later. And as of May 1st, when the Oculus Go came out last year, uh, that changed the whole game because now you've got a wireless tool that can fit in your backpack that you can take to travel with and bring your community with. That's amazing. How can economic development organizations use and embrace virtual reality? What applications are they using it for? Sure. So right now, and just since economic developers are in this business of business and workforce attraction, we focus on really the same types of things that they were doing before in person. So for example, a familiarization tour where they might bring in some site selectors to your community uh, to go visit in person. They might go through 10 hours of meetings for two days in a row and you bring them to a few sites and show them and wine them and dine them and give them an experience of your town. That type of familiarization tour is what we're creating virtually. Site tours where you can show a, a location where a business could be. You could even put in a 3D model to make that site pop right out of the ground uh, so they can see it as if they were standing there. Um, the workforce attraction, we're doing uh, either tours from a business perspective where the business itself is saying, hey, here's the type of jobs that you'd be doing. So if you're at a job fair, you could put on a headset and see what the job would be like, um, both on-site and off, depending on the the type of job, or even from the perspective of the worker themselves saying, here I am doing this job. Here's the coworkers. Here's my house. Here's me fishing afterwards. So you've got the economic developer on one end and you've got the client on the other, be it somebody who you're trying to attract as far as being a new company or workforce attraction. How is that segment the companies and uh, the other people, how are they embracing uh, being go, doing a fam tour virtually instead of getting up and being wined and dined and traveling? Well, I don't want to pretend that virtual reality can replace the effectiveness of being in person or actually visiting a place in reality. But where this becomes so useful is that traveling to a place costs a lot of time and it costs a lot of money. And not everybody can afford necessarily to bring in all of the site selection professionals to see their communities or they can't necessarily, the site selection professionals themselves may come to the community and what if it's raining for two days and you really aren't showing your community off with its uh, best foot forward. I've seen that happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. So once again, the idea is that this technology is the best possible way to show your place 
when you can't be there physically. So let's say you're a rural community here in Mississippi and you go to the Hanover Mess Manufacturing Conference in Germany and you're talking to a guy from Taiwan about moving his company over to Mississippi. And you share the name of the rural community and he says, I'm not familiar with that. He says, well, great. Well, you know about the state Mississippi? And he says, no, I thought that was a river. Is it by Chicago? And he's like, no, it's a state. <laughs> and you give them a brochure and you give them a video and you tell them about your community. But it's really hard to communicate overseas about the things that make a community really great. Like what is it like at that concert series that happens that summer? Or what is it? What does the land look like and the trees and the beauty of it? Um, how do you communicate what the nightlife is like or the neighborhoods or what the schools are like or what the hospitals and healthcare services are like? There isn't an easy way to do that. And this professional from Taiwan is going to go down booth after booth after booth from other states and countries. There's hundreds of them. And it's really hard to verbally explain why your community is unique. It's a now. You could say, hey, put these on, visit my community and have that experience. So you're creating that initial experience that you really hope will lead to them coming to your community and wanting to learn more about it. Yeah. And um, with spherical video, which I don't want to confuse as being virtual reality, it's video. But in a sphere, it has has a way of tricking the brain. The New York Times had did a little bit uh, back in the, the past where they were trying to create empathy for humanity causes, like uh, a homeless person in New York City and being in their shoes and what's that like. And the reason that was possible is because it truly creates the feeling of being there. And when you have that kind of feeling of presence, it affects your uh, um, experience as a whole. So at the Greater Jackson Alliance where I work, uh, we've dipped a proverbial toe in the virtual reality waters, combining 360-degree imagery of available greenfield sites on our website, which may be viewed then with a basic set of stereotype viewers. How can we take this even further then to create a richer experience? Sure. Well, um, much of the, the footage that can be used in a virtual reality headset is, can be put online. Um, there's a lot of services out there like YouTube and Facebook that are already well positioned to uh, handle and serve out spherical video. And so that can be uh, used that way. Also, people can look at them through their phones and through their their uh, iPads and that type of thing. But really, the experience that you're going to get through a headset is at a whole nother level for the reasons I was mentioning earlier. But also, um, because then you've got a tool for actually going into a virtual space and being able to present your community from there also, which certainly saves on time and money. Well, and that's where I was going to go next, that this offers an opportunity, and this is really important in the business world, that virtual reality can offer both time savings and financial savings, even though there is some investment still required. How much are we talking about? Because if I'm going to create, uh, let's say, a virtual fam tour, uh, not only do I need the equipment to view the finished product, I've also got to take time to create some quality video as well. Certainly, right. So you're still creating the content. You want your video. You have to have your piece that you want to share. Uh, but the equipment itself is pretty inexpensive. For example, the Oculus Go headsets can be purchased for $200. And so the equipment's come way down in price. Now, a year ago, a PlayStation 4 system was closer to 1000 or even the other options like the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive require a laptop to be connected to to give it its full power. And so that's additional costs. So now the price points come down enough so that it can be easily served. Do you need a special video camera to shoot video that's going to be displayed and used in virtual reality? 
Yeah, yeah. You need um, a camera that's designed to shoot spherical video. And so then you're just going to shop and basically that's going to be part of the specs that you're looking for. Is it designed to do this? Certainly, certainly. So you buy a spherical video camera and um, most of them today are shooting at 4K or better. So you can get a really high resolution spherical video. They're very large files, as you might imagine, because you're shooting video in all directions. And so you have to have the capacity to be able to handle those. And then, um, but after that, then you can use video production software to put in graphics put in uh, 3D models if we'd like, had, had uh, sound, music, voiceover, the narration. What about touch? It's coming, but not yet. How would we do that? Would that be through like a glove or? Uh, Most likely I, some haptic gloves, probably something like player ready one. Yeah. We were mentioning that earlier. That's uh, way off in the future, but certainly you know, where I think we're heading, uh, even perhaps uh, a seat, you know, some gaming chairs give feedback or in the movie theater, you have the experience of a, a chair that moves. Certainly. Um, it's not as way off in the future as you might think. I mean, this conversation we're having right now about the use of virtual reality is that this, these tools are available and work right now, which is amazing because it seems way off in the future, even talking about it, but these things exist. And now, um, it's coming at a rapid, rapid pace, the upcoming technologies that are going to allow you to be even more present. And uh, then it'll get into the realms of the augmented reality, which is very exciting and to see where it's going, but it's happening fast. It is happening. You know, virtual reality, it also seems, and you mentioned this earlier, and we started off talking about uh, this, can help facilitate better communication. You know, how does this allow organizations to go beyond the regular conference call, video conference call? What are the advantages of holding a virtual meeting versus, you know, one of these uh, multi-participant video calls or conference call? Sure. Well, there's a couple things that are different. When you're having a virtual meeting, even though I mentioned you're using an avatar, you're not necessarily using a video yourself, although soon those avatars will look very, very much like yourself or probably slightly better looking versions of ourselves. <laughs> and I'm in. And then you have 3D sound. So 3D sound is if you're looking directly at me, you'll hear me from both ears. If you're looking the other way, it'll sound like I'm behind you. If you're farther away in the virtual room, my voice is quieter. And if you're closer, it's louder. The 3D sound creates a sense of presence that you don't get in video conferencing. Even though you can see the people and they might be on there, the speakers on computers and the speakers on phones when you're doing phone calls are tinny and they don't sound like they don't sound like being present in a room and this does. And it's a real moving experience because you feel like you're sitting there with somebody as uh, as real as us sitting across from this table. It's responsive audio. I mean, it's then simulating you and I having this discussion sitting across from each other. Yep. And despite the fact that it seems strange being an avatar, especially maybe in a business setting, you get over that real quick because the sound is so lifelike that you really feel like you're sitting there talking to somebody and the avatars are synced to the motion of the headsets. So if you look to your left, your avatar looks to the left. If you look up or down, it looks up or down and you start to realize that it's really quite natural. Um, where it's most effective, however, is when you have some good solid virtual content to share. Um, you could go meet in the room, but I wouldn't necessarily meet virtually if you didn't have a spherical video to pull up and give somebody a tour of your community from that perspective. 
It gets back then to everyone needs to have the same equipment or compatible equipment to do that. How are you seeing this being addressed? I can see it within an organization, you know, purchasing a number of headsets and distributing them throughout their organization. But what about when you're working with a client who's offsite, maybe in another country? Uh, is the organization purchasing the equipment and sharing it with them? Or uh, are they requesting they purchase them? How's that being handled right now? Certainly. That was a, a concern of ours early on because although this is brand new technology, it takes a while for the to be adopted fully. So um, the clients that are creating their own virtual content have their own headsets because they're the ones bringing their community with them. And for the people that they want to be meeting with, um, what we usually do is send send them a headset ahead of time, uh, get them trained in so they know how it works so that when it's time to go in and have a meeting, um, it's all business. Pretty amazing. Uh, today, uh, Cody, who I work with uh, on a daily basis, uh, just was asking about the Oculus Go headset and uh, we're already going to dip our toe in that water as well. And I think we're going to have to get a couple of headsets. We'll look forward to having a virtual meeting with you guys. Yeah, it's going to come really soon, I think. Let's go down the science fiction route again and look at the applications of this technology, which are still somewhat in the realm of science fiction, but we can expect to see in coming years. In other words, we're going to look into the crystal ball and see what's around the corner that I may see in a movie today, but this may be available at home or in the office in the coming months, years. What are you seeing? Sure. Um, my best bet would be to reference the Oculus 5 Connect conference, which they had in San Jose uh, just a, a little short while back. And uh, first of all, I have to note that even though I only live 45 minutes from where it was being held, I was able to watch that conference live through the Oculus Go headset with 600 plus avatars all sitting in the stands next to me. In fact, I could talk to the people that were sitting by me. During that presentation, they had a futurist talk about what's likely to happen in the next five years. And just a couple of the things that really caught my eye. One of them is the ability to put on a headset that would scan the room and make a 3D model of it so that you could invite your avatar friends to come sit in your office and actually have a meeting. Um, another thing that's coming is much more lifelike and realistic avatars where they'll look like you. Um, they gave a demo uh, during this uh, presentation where they had a guy on video and they had an avatar and they were both talking at exactly the same time. And you couldn't tell which one was which. So the avatar was so lifelike that it was tough to distinguish. That's right. The camera would look down at its mouth and it was mimicking the mouth lip movements of the avatar talking. How far out are we from from this? Obviously, they're demonstrating the the technology now. When can we expect this to be on the market? Less than five years. Really expecting probably in the next two, we're going to start seeing some of this come out. Interestingly enough, they said that the big disruptor of this technology is real estate. And their reason for that was because that's why we're commuting. That's why we're all meeting in offices to work on the stuff that's important in our lives is because we're trying to have presence and to be close together to, to create these things. And if this type of technology can bring us closer together, then maybe we don't have to commute. Maybe we don't have to buy the most expensive real estate in the most expensive cities to look good and to just bring people together. We can meet virtually. Amazing stuff. Talking about the future of virtual reality and how it can be used to market your community. It's here today, isn't it? Sure is. Aaron Brossois with Golden Shovel Agency. Thanks for joining us on Mississippi Prospects. Thanks for having me. 
Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by Pottery Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.